Hey, it's John Ingle, and I'm excited to share that registration is now live for Grid Tech Connect Forum California. Join us in Newport Beach June 24th through the 26th for the interconnection event. We're bringing together utilities, developers, regulators, and advocates to take on one of the biggest challenges facing the energy transition, both at the DG and utility scale levels. Click the link in the episode description and use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on admission. Join our partners from the Department of Energy, NREL, Southern California Edison, PG&E, Kaiso, Sunrun, NG, Convergent, AES, and so many more for this impactful event. We'll see you there. Hello and welcome to another edition of This Week in Clean Tech, a roundup of the top stories in climate and clean energy in 15 minutes or less. I'm John Ingle, the editor-in-chief of Renewable Energy World and Power Grid International, joined as always by Mike Casey, the TigerCom president and clean tech PR veteran. And we are we're in a different location today. We are. You know, this is the second episode we've ever done together live at a trade show. Is it? I don't remember the last one. Plus. Oh, great. Yeah, so this is the second episode that we've done together at a, at a live trade show. Um, what do you think so far? Distributech, you're around the utility audience, a little different crowd okay. for you. It's good. It's very impressive. It's bigger than I thought, and it's um, very, very technical subjects, and I'm, I'm learning a lot already. Great, great. And we appreciate our listeners for sending in their story recommendations to rew at clarionevents.com, and you can send in your nominations for Clean Techer of the Week there as well. All right, Mike, you want to get us started? I do. So, Ari Pesco from IEE Spectrum wrote a piece titled Profiteering Hampers U.S. Grid Expansion. Over to you, Mr. Engel. Yeah, and before I get to this, I forgot to mention Stephen Lacey, uh, Carbon Copy, Latitude, Postscript, well, formerly Postscript. He's joining us very shortly, so we'll get to that after a few stories. But, okay, Ari's, uh, Ari's story here, he is a Harvard professor, so he, he comes at this very thoughtfully as a Harvard <laughs> professor uh, might. We'll need to build a lot more interregional transmission as we decarbonize the grid. The DOE thinks we'll need five times as much, 5x. I've heard, I've heard even bigger, and it, that's a, a daunting proposition. But this goes against uh, the incentive structure for utilities in many ways, which is moving very slowly on transmission and sometimes impeding projects. Adding interregional transmission means they have to compete with power plants in other areas, and the incentive structure as it exists today rewards local transmission build-out versus connecting to other territories. Mike, what did you think about this one? Uh, boy, I tell you, you, you talk about something we need to do and we're not doing enough of. We need to build a giga truckload of long-term transmission to get the power from where we're going to generate it to where we need to use it. And um, I, I understand that we are working to convert legacy structures, not the least of which are utility profit motives here. And we've got to get alignment here or we're not going to build this stuff. And I think Though what commenting we've talked about a lot of times is arguably the biggest immediate threat to this transition. I think it's hard to argue that transmission is not the biggest long-term threat. So if we don't get this down, I think we're, we're transitional less. John, story number two. We got Ben uh, Geeman from Axios writing a story called Coal's Influence on Energy Generation is Fading Fast. What did you take away from this one? My takeaway is I love this story. I deeply love this story. So you have the the worst, the the dirtiest fuel on the planet after perhaps burning tires and open streets, and it's uh, going down precipitously. It's been a long time coming. I mean, inviting the ageist jokes from my uh, too young <laughs> co-host here. I remember 
when I started doing this, that coal was the majority energy source in America, 52, 53%. Now, the bottom, they haven't hit the bottom yet. So they can't retire them fast enough. It clearly wears on the body after time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, in 2018, the EIA predicted 37 gigawatts of coal would retire by December 2023, but 37 gigawatts did not retire. 81 gigawatts retired. In, tw- in 2000, coal-based electric power accounted for 51% of the total electric generation in the U.S. It's now 15%. For all we've got wrong on climate the last couple of decades, I think we did that one right, um, and yes. it's, it's steadily continuing. So, Mike, what's our third story? Story number three is Manuela Andreoni from New York Times titled, Oil Stocks Aren't That Hot. All right, John, I'm glad you're going first on this one. Yeah. In the past few months, we've discussed investment firms taking back their climate commitments and are actually talking more about uh, renewables investment with Stephen coming up here shortly. Clean energy companies struggling with high interest rates, community opposition, all that um, in the context of high oil prices. But none of this means oil profitability has returned. That's a really interesting point here. According to a study by the Institute of Energy Economics and Financial Analysis, stock price indexes without the fossil fuel industry slightly outperformed those that include it. Um, Also, a 2023 Columbia University report shows that oil and gas companies have underperformed compared to the S&P 500. Yeah, if you were going to summarize the story, I think you could say it's complicated. I mean, you know, the the. There's a whole cottage industry around tracking the financial fortunes of the oil industry. So I, I feel the need to tread lightly here in expert territory. But I think uh, you see some analysts predicting a, a almost unavoidable decline in the fate of the oil industry. There are these meta signs that that is in the offing. But right now, I mean, the you know financial institutions aren't afraid that oil companies aren't going to pay them back. So they look short-term robust, long-term shaky. John, our fourth story. Yeah, story number four comes from Top Speed, titled How BYD and CATL's Solid State Battery Partnership Impacts Toyota and Tesla. That's yeah. a SEO goldmine of a headline, so good on them. That's probably All right, so let's go to Acronym City here. Last, last month, Chinese EV and battery giants BYD and CATL partnered with government academia to form a group called the CASIP. It's focused on building a supply chain for solid-state batteries. NEO, an EV manufacturer in CASIP, has a solid-state battery that runs 648 miles, right? That's off a single charge. It's a long way, so much for range anxiety. Uh, So it could be a real long-term threat to companies like Tesla and Toyota, but over the last few years, Toyota's made several promises. They're going to deliver a solid-state battery, but we haven't seen one yet. And although Tesla is CATL's biggest customer, they are ending their future business relationship, moving in a different direction. And I, I will take all jokes you want to make at my expense about Tesla and Elon Musk. But for the record, it's possible to dislike the sinner, dislike the sin and still see the sinner differently. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think you well summarized that story. The last two points I'll make here. CATL is working to cut their battery prices by 50% in a year. And, and if anyone's going to do it, it'd be, it'd be that company. And in January, BYD overtook Tesla as the global EV leader. So a lot of exciting shakeup happening there. Uh, Mike, our fifth story, we're, it's time to welcome our guests. Yeah, our, our buddy Stephen Lacey has come to us on the show. We're really fired up about having him. 
Stephen Lacey, welcome to This Week in Clean Tech. It is good to see you, my friend. Great to see you too, Mike. Yeah, I got that big conference energy. You know, I haven't eaten all day and I'm so excited. <laughs> I almost passed out on the keynote stage. Yeah. <laughs> just from not not only jitters and nerves, but because I think I had maybe a bite of a muffin until do you know our, 11 a.m. Do you know our click-throughs would have gone so up if you had face-planted on the stage? I think about that a lot. I think about how disaster can really lead to success. <laughs> and maybe we'll try that 2025. And Next now. show, I'll pay you to do that. All right. All right. All right good. We'll all right. Stephen. Um, I love this podcast. Views on the $1.8 trillion clean energy economy. If people hadn't listened to this episode, the number one most important thing for them to take away. Well, we've hit the trillion dollar scale. So uh, we hit the trillion dollar scale a couple of years ago, and now we're almost at $2 trillion a year in yearly spending on clean energy. And that's everything from manufacturing to renewables development to electric vehicles to equity investments, project finance. And so you wrap it all together. We're at almost $2 trillion clean energy economy globally. Big deal. But we need to be at $5 trillion a year starting now to be on a net zero scenario. So there's a lot of really good stuff in those numbers, which we can talk about. But we're still woefully behind, unfortunately. How does this square, Stephen, with when you started covering the industry? You've been, been around and watching it for a while now. Um, just to put those numbers in perspective, now that trillion dollar mark, where did we, what was that like, starting point for you? Yeah, I thought a lot about this. So I started covering this industry in 2006. And then I remember going to the Renewable Energy Finance Forum held by ACOR uh, in 2006, 2007. And I sat down with Michael Liebrich, who started New Energy Finance, which was eventually sold to Bloomberg. And Bloomberg is who BNEF put out these numbers that we're talking about. And we sat down. He said, look, we've tracked $100 billion going into clean energy globally right now. Big deal, right? Back in 2007, he said, we need to be at a trillion dollars right now through the end of the decade. It took us 14 years to get to a trillion dollars, a couple of years to get to two trillion. So we are on the right path, but uh, we're a decade behind where we need to be. Uh, but it's been really extraordinary to see some of the shifts in the numbers. For the first time last year, electric vehicles spending, everything from electric vehicle battery manufacturing to sales of electric vehicles surpass renewables for the first time. And I think that ship has sailed or that car has gone out of the driveway, whatever <laughs> metaphor you want to use. Uh, electric vehicles are going to be the centerpiece of the clean energy transition. Um, one thing that we find is that we are ahead in supply chain development. So the expansion of solar and batteries, uh, we have seen incredible investments across solar and batteries in particular, and we are ahead of where we need to be in a net zero scenario. So that's some good news. And across supply chains generally, everything from offshore wind to battery manufacturing, we are ahead of schedule. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mixed, mixed stuff happening in these numbers. Pull back the lens, so to speak. In your arc of your reporting and your podcasting, what has most surprised you? Um, I think what has surprised me most is cost reductions, just continued cost reductions. I mean, the, the through brute force engineering, battery costs just continue to come down. And we, of course, saw a blip coming out of COVID because of uh, equipment availability. And after you, the, the you, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we saw commodity prices spike. But that was a little blip in this multi-decade um, uh, cost drop that we've seen. And, you know, the the, the cost of battery packs has fallen like 95% in the last decade and a half. Um, seeing the same story in solar, of course. And uh, uh, 
a lot of people foresaw those cost drops coming, and we're talking about it a decade or a decade and a half ago, but there were a lot of skeptics too. And the skeptics have been proven wrong. And it's been astonishing to see just how consistent those cost drops are and how much we still can squeeze out of these technologies. And it's, it's with that remark that Stephen Lacey is going to get a swarm of fossil fuel bros all over his LinkedIn page because <laughs> uh, he put doubts in the past tense, which I love. But I just want to note the swarm is coming. All right. Last question for you, Mr. Angle. Yeah, I I'm interested in, especially this audience, so just to round it back to Distributech International, and you and I both engage a lot on the clean energy asset owner, project developer side, but Latitude's leaning in heavily on the AI, smart grid, grid tech, all of that stuff. What are you most interested to to learn here? Who do you want to talk to? Like, get Take us through the, the, the eyes of the reporter as you're wandering the exhibit hall floor and trying to catch that next big thing. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're de- I want to talk to a lot of utilities that are thinking about how are they going to integrate AI? How are they going to work with existing vendors who are now using machine learning or other types of artificial intelligence to optimize distributed resources to for operations and maintenance, for power plant health, for in- infrastructure inspection? And so understanding how utilities are investing in this stuff is really important. And then there are just dozens and dozens of vendors out there now that have been working on different forms of AI for a while. And now we're at this stage where everything's accelerating all at once. In, in the, the technology has just gotten leaps and bounds better over the last couple of years. And now all of a sudden, because AI is out there in the public discourse and everyone is thinking about it, utilities are out talking to, and investors are out talking to these startups in a new way and in many of these vendors. And so it's coming I'm trying to understand what this actually means for the business opportunity. Right. How do we define AI? I mean, um, it's not going to be some AI company that comes in and disrupts the grid. It's going to be a lot of existing companies that know how the utility business operator, uh, how the utility, utility business model works, how they're operating the grid. They've already established relationships with utilities, and now they're building AI teams as part of the project set that they have today. And so understanding exactly how that's going to play out is sort of my what I'm trying to do here and out in the market generally. And listen to Carbon Copy for that answer. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yeah. And the answer is always evolving, yeah. right? <laughs> All right. Well, John, we're just about out of time. We need to go to our Clean Tech of the Week. Yes. Our Clean Tech of the Week this week is John Pivotali, we think. Um, so apologies to John right off the bat. I did my best. <laughs> VDE Americas, which crafted a map showing potential insurance losses for solar trackers with zero to 75 degree tilts in wind and hail conditions. So you can go check that out. And congratulations to John. All right, John. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to our fabulous producer, Brian Mendez, and to Claire Quillen and to Alex Peterson for gathering these stories and for Stephen Lacey for joining us here on our 27th episode. Wow. This week in Look at us. Almost a half year, my friend. And of course, this one was longer than 15 minutes, like most of our podcasts are, even though we say 15 minutes or less. But we appreciate you joining us here at Distribute Tech International. See you next time, Mike. Yes, sir.
Hey, it's John Ingle, and I'm excited to share that registration is now live for Grid Tech Connect Forum California. Join us in Newport Beach June 24th through the 26th for the interconnection event. We're bringing together utilities, developers, regulators, and advocates to take on one of the biggest challenges facing the energy transition, both at the DG and utility scale levels. Click the link in the episode description and use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on admission. Join our partners from the Department of Energy, NREL, Southern California Edison, PG&E, Kaiso, Sunrun, NG, Convergent, AES, and so many more for this impactful event. We'll see you there.